0: top of the inning to you welcome to the irish baseball podcast brought to you by the irish american baseball society if you love baseball and if you love ireland stay tuned for a discussion of all things irish baseball hello
1: and welcome to episode 40 of the irish baseball podcast i'm your host rick becker on today's episode i'll be continuing my conversation with dermot breen who wrote his book exiles about his 620 mile pilgrimage on the Ireland Way in 2018. He was walking in honor of his wife who lost her battle with cancer in 2015. I am currently walking the Ireland Way myself in an effort to raise money and awareness in the fight against domestic violence. I wanted to ask you, Dermot, was it therapeutic to have this much time by yourself on the trail while trying to cope with such a tragedy?
0: It's. I would say that the therapeutic... Aspect of walking cannot be underestimated, quite honestly. It's um, an incredible way of just giving yourself time mentally to work through issues from the past or whatever form they may be that are troubling you. Uh, It just gives you time to process them and to, as you say, come to terms with them in your own way. It's not easy, it's not a quick fix. There are no quick fixes to a lot of these um, mental issues, but it does, it, I think it's a very powerful way of, of, of doing it because um, when you're walking, and the Ireland Way is great for this because there are and there will be for yourself long periods of time when you are on your own. It's you and your demons, and you either run away from them or you tackle them and face them, and it just gives you time to work through those issues um, time, which you otherwise wouldn't have because there's so many distractions in life and you just don't really get the opportunity to process them the way you need to. I find that um, probably for me all three walks have certainly had that important aspect to it. The um, Camino's great for that actually, because in a way there you, you can be alone or you can be with a lot of people. I mentioned hospitality being the key word in, in the Ireland way. For me, with the Camino, camaraderie was the key word because there are, as you alluded to earlier, there's so many people actually complete that trail. There are different trails you can go on. I did the, the Camino del Norte, which is a northern route, follows the coastline along the north coast of Spain. It's a bit quieter than the traditional French route. But even there, you have the opportunity to meet a lot of people and um, everybody's going the same direction, as it were. So there's that commonality, there's that common bond. Very easy to strike up friendships. But at the same time, everybody respects your needs as a pilgrim. If you want to be alone, you can be alone. The Ireland way, as I say, it is, you're probably right to, to start. Do it first while you're younger and fitter. Um, because it is it is challenging. You spend a lot of time on your own. There is great hospitality at the start points and the end points of each day. <laughs> you do occasionally bump into people on, on the route as well. It's not all over mountains and hills. You do go through little villages and towns as well. In terms of just having that time to think through things and and process things, it's invaluable. And I would say as well, equally for me, the, the writing was extremely important. Because that, again, just um, it allows you that time to articulate your feelings and your emotions and put it down in paper and exercise those demons in whatever way you, you, you feel able to do it.
1: So you mentioned hospitality a number of times during this conversation. And obviously what happened as you were completing your journey was an incredible example of that hospitality. But where was a place that you stopped or that you spent either a few hours or maybe a day or two that you weren't expecting to find? Where was a hidden gem that you found along oh. the route?
0: <laughs> in one way, it's quite easy to answer that. Um, another way, it's difficult because there were so many hidden gems along the route. Um, and there's countless examples I refer to in the book. Like, like Right from the outset, there was just so many wonderful people. I remember a guy I met in a bar in a little place called uh, Um It was into about day three, four of the walk. And um, I went in there for a bit of a break and to have a, a drink before setting up camp and s- sleeping for the night, which I didn't actually, as it turns out. But anyway, this guy and his girlfriend were in, in the pub and we just, he, he noticed my banner. I was carrying a banner saying Ireland way and walking for cancer research. And I noticed that and they got chatting to me in the bar and then found out that Andy Hall was the guy's name um, and his girlfriend, Louise. Andy's a singer songwriter. I ended up out on the street. It sounds like like we were worse for wear at this stage, but we were not. We just had a couple of drinks, all very sociable. And then he wanted to sing me a song. So we went out onto the street, onto the sidewalk because he didn't want to disturb people in the bar. And he actually sung me this song out in, you know, about 11 o'clock at night in the dark on the city street. Much, much later then, when I um, had written my book, published the book and launched it in Ballycastle, Andy actually came the whole way up, him and his girlfriend from Keekle in County Cork. And he performed uh, a song for me at the book launch as well. And I actually composed a special song for myself. That was very special. But the place that really comes to mind would be Tipperary for a number of reasons. I arrived into Tipperary Town or Tip Town as it's locally known, expecting to stay there maybe one night or two. I um, went to a little uh, B&B run by Jerry and Dorothy. They were very hospitable and put me up for the night. And then I headed off the following morning. I actually arranged that I would uh, perhaps return to them for a, a second night. The day I walked out of Tipperary and started heading north to a little place called Kappa white I ran into a herd of bullocks <laughs> unexpectedly in a field. Uh, that area around Tipperary, actually, I'll warn you, just, just avoid cattle if you can. It's not always easy to do, but give them as wide a berth as you can. I'll give you a few other tips if you want <laughs> before you go in relation to cattle, if you do encounter them. But I wasn't used to really dealing with herds of cattle and and. Anyway, there was a, a, a herd of um, young bullocks that actually, I would describe it, stampeded at me at one stage. And um, luckily I was close to a, a, an electric fence and was able to duck in under that and get away. But in the process and in my rush and trying to, to get away, I actually twisted my, my right leg and ended up tearing a, a calf muscle. When I rolled over on the other side of the electric fence and went to get up again, I realized that, oops, That leg is in serious trouble. And I literally had to hobble for the next mile to find uh, a residence and um, ask for help. And again, the hospitality kicked in and people were so helpful and got me back to Tipperary. And I arrived back in with uh, George and Dorothy (laughs) and Airbnb and explained what had happened. They said, Oh, don't worry. I mean, stay here another night and rest up. And we hoped that, you know, the following day I would have been able to get off again. But as it turned out, I ended up staying in Tipperary for a week. My leg didn't heal. I got wonderful um, help from a pharmacist there in the town and then a physiotherapist um, gave me treatment. And he delivered the bad news when he examined my leg. And he says, look, you're going to have to stop for at least four weeks to let this heal. So I was determined not to return to that season. and I say, I hung around Tipperary for a week, hoping it would improve, but it didn't. And I eventually had to return north for another three to four weeks, recuperate, and then back to Tipperary town to um, start off again. So my plan to stay there just one or two nights ended up for a week or more. George and Dorothy, who ran this little B&B, were just absolutely wonderful. They didn't charge me a penny for that stay. They fed me. They looked after me. They were absolutely wonderful. I still have very, very fond memories of Tipperary Town. I've been back to visit them. I've been back to visit a lot of other people, actually, that I met during the walk because they were just so kind. And uh, when I'd written a book, I actually done another. I drove down, back down through the route and delivered copies of the books to, to various people as a little thank you. So it, it was delightful to do that as well. Oh, I mean, there's... Another couple. I have to tell you this. This one, Rick, because there was um, there's a beautiful little place that you'll pass through in Cork called Guganbara. It's the Rock of Bora. It translates as, and it's a beautiful little oasis in the middle of the Cork mountains. Beautiful lake, surrounding mountains, and there's a Guganbara hotel there, run by Neil and Kitty. Again, they were wonderfully hospitable. I arrived in there to find that they, I was hoping to get a room there. I I hadn't pre-booked a lot of stuff on this, by the way, I was just winging it and it worked out extremely well for the most part. On this occasion, I did carry a tent with me as well for emergencies, but I had to use about three or four times. On this occasion when I arrived in the Bar, they had no rooms available. They weren't able to put me up. So I used a neighboring one of their fields basically to, to camp for the night but they allowed me into the, the hotel to use all the facilities and have meals. And they treated me like a Lord. I ended up staying there another night and they got me a room for that night. Um, became very good friends with them. They're so hospitable. They drove me to starting points, etc., and picked me up in the evening In terms of where I am at the moment, actually in my um, personal life, I've actually met a, a lovely lady and we are getting married in August. And we're going on a tour around Ireland uh, for our honeymoon. And one of our stopping off points is at that hotel in Guggenborough. So <laughs> Neil and Katie are going to put us up again in that hotel. So I'm really looking forward to seeing them again. The, I mean, become wonderful friends. So just, it's, I just throw that in as an example of just how life throws you these curveballs. Some of them are you don't want. Some of them are just wonderful and us welcome and embrace them with open arms.
1: Well, first of all, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. So then I like to think I come up with pretty good questions to ask people, but I often know that sometimes there's that thing that you don't know to ask. There's that experience that somebody had that if you don't just leave it up to them, like, is there anything else that you want to say about this journey that you took? Anything about the Ireland way that you found particularly significant?
0: Well, I'd already mentioned the hospitality and that, I think that is the, the overriding feature of this walk. It is challenging. There is long distances between starting and stopping points. You can obviously choose those to a certain degree, but there are occasions where there's just nothing between one town, one village and the next on the route. So you have long distances to cope with there. It's not like the Camino where you have an incredible infrastructure of Albergs, hostels, where you can, you can easily get accommodation for the night um, very cheaply. On well, Ireland Way, you'll mainly be relying on uh, B&Bs, guest houses. There are occasional hostels along the way which you can utilise, but by and large it's more the um, sort of the guest houses. Just coming back to something you said earlier, Rick, about just, it takes you into the areas of Ireland that people don't normally see or visit as tourists. A lot of people might be familiar with the Wild Atlantic Way, which follows the coast along the south up the west. And it's a beautiful route to drive. And there's has wonderful beaches and, and seascapes and all the rest of it. Uh, I drove it two years ago and I know that for a fact. It's absolutely beautiful. This walking route takes you up through the middle of Ireland. A large part of it would be called the hidden heartland of Ireland. And there are many gems to be found along that way, some of which we've already touched upon. You're sort of exploring and um, encountering places that you, you wouldn't normally encounter. But nonetheless, beautiful for that. There's a lot to offer. We talked earlier about the preference of the way to do it. Um, certainly south to north was the way I wanted to do it because I wanted to finish in Ballycastle. When you get to the north coast of Ireland, it is absolutely stunning. For a large part, it's the causeway coast along the north coast of Ireland. And you're going through places like um, Castle Rock and Port Stuart, Port Rush, you pass on Loose Castle. You go through the Giant's Causeway, which is a World Heritage Site. Very interesting rock features there. You have the sea to your left, practically the whole time you're walking that. And that's a three to four day walk um, going along that stretch. And it is absolutely stunning, particularly if you get the good weather. Uh, <laughs> but even in wild weather, it can be equally dramatic. You just have to watch. You don't get blown off the cliffs. <laughs> a, there was another neat little I've mentioned about coincidences as well. And there was coincidence with the, uh, the Sullivan Bear story, that Irish chieftain. But it was also another neat little thing that sort of sold this trip to me, and that was um, there's an Irish fairy tale or folk tale called the Children of lure. and I've been very very familiar with it um, because my wife, late wife, was from Ballycastle. Part of the folk tale relates to Ballycastle, and it's all about these children of a king. Where the, the, there was a stepmother who um, got very jealous of the king's relationship with the children, and she turned them into swans, basically, and banished them for 900 years. And they spent 300 years up off the the Sea of Moil, off Valley Castle, and 300 years in the centre of Ireland, 300 years out in the west coast of Ireland. And then after that time, they changed back into humans. They came ashore, changed back into humans, but they were incredibly old and obviously didn't live very long. So very sad. It's one of the Irish sorrows, it's called. It's a very sad folk story but where they came ashore is reputed to be down in close to castle town bear and there's a small monument there uh, marking the, the site where the the swans were reputed to have come ashore and uh, the children blur and then valley castle then there's uh, an iconic sculpture on the seafront of four swans sort of a, a metal sculpture of four swans that's beautiful location and that's their dedication to the children of Lur. So again you had this the start and the finish had this very strong link to this old Irish folk tale that I was very very familiar with and uh, the front cover of my book actually. You'll see and no doubt you will do it yourself I look forward to seeing the photograph at some stage in the future all pilgrims that walk or trekkers that walk from the south to the north and finish in Ballycastle That's the touchstone, that particular um, sculpture on the seafront of Castle. That marks your end point. So there's been lots of photos of happy souls arriving at that destination over the years. So as I say, I look forward to seeing you posing beneath that statue at some stage as well. In fact, if you let me know when you're gonna be there, I'll I'll try and make sure I'm up there myself. Well, that's
1: very kind of you. I tell you what, this was such a fantastic conversation. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here.
0: You're very welcome, Rick. I was um, delighted to be asked, and, and it's been a joy talking to you.
1: As I mentioned, I'm using my pilgrimage to raise money and awareness for CASA of Pinellas County, Florida, to help victims of domestic violence. To donate in honor of my efforts, every dollar will go directly to the organization at casapinellis.org slash walkwithrick slash that's C-A-S-A-P-I-N-E-L-L-A-S dot org slash walkwithrick slash I'm Rick Becker. We will return to the baseball talk in two weeks. Thanks for listening to episode 40 of the Irish Baseball Podcast.
0: The Irish Baseball Podcast is a production of the Irish American Baseball Society. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org and remember, there's no place like home.